0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 5Tool Podcast. I'm George Klein. Really excited to be here. Really excited to be a part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Every Saturday, I'm going to be talking with another person about the biggest sports news of the week. And this week, I talked with my friend Alex Zimblist about some of the trades that have really been making waves in the sports world. First, Kawhi traded. We had Manny Machado being traded. Even while we were recording this podcast... Carmelo Anthony was traded right in the middle of it, so you can hear our reactions to all the trades, including our immediate reactions to that mellow trade. Also, at the very end, we give our MLB predictions for the second half. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here today with Alex Zimblist. And Alex, we woke up yesterday to enormous NBA news. Kawhi Leonard traded from the Spurs to the Raptors. Raptors sending back DeMar DeRozan, my guy Jakob, and a first-round pick. Back to the Spurs. I had been convinced for a long time that Kawhi was going to either like the 76ers or the Lakers or that kind of a team. But we started to hear rumblings and a little bit of rumors about the Raptors, and they just built and built. And yesterday, news breaks. What's your first reaction? Georgie,
1: I was, I was a little surprised by the trade. I guess more from Toronto's perspective uh, than San Antonio's. I guess I wasn't that surprised it kind of there weren't that many indications that Kawhi was going to get his wish and go to the lakers so i guess you know there were a lot of teams in contention and the raptors uh, were obviously one of them san antonio's perspective the trade kind of makes sense right if you have a guy like Kawhi leonard who says he wants to be traded kind of have to trade him it's somewhat unfathomable to me that you would keep him around for a year when he's unhappy so the Spurs listened to all the offers that various teams were giving them, and bottom line is that the Raptors gave them the best package, and so they took that. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan is a downgrade, and the Spurs probably won't be that great of a team this year. Uh, but I still think you know it makes sense from their end in terms of the Raptors. George, you and I talked about this move is kind of going all in, right? They're playing for for win now, and yes, Kawhi Leonard is a significant upgrade over to Margot Rosen if he's healthy. That being said, I question the choice to play win now for the Raptors, just because, look, I think uh, adding Kawhi Leonard makes them better. I think they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they lose to the Celtics, maybe even the 76ers. So, you know, I don't know if what they really need is making it one round further in the playoffs. And Even if they did beat the Celtics, which I really don't think that they could, then they just get crushed by the Warriors. So, look, they're not going to win a championship. They get a little better. I don't think it's a terrible trade for
0: them. It's definitely risky. But I think even best-case scenario, they're a conference finals team and that's it. Yeah, we were talking, as you mentioned all throughout yesterday, about this end. I was a lot higher And I am a lot higher on the Kawhi trade than you are in terms of the Raptors' perspective. I think this was a move that they almost had to make. The core Lowry DeRozan, even throwing Ibaka and Valanciunas, that team wasn't going to do anything. And if you stick with DeMar DeRozan for the next three years, all of a sudden you're looking at an aging, possibly more mediocre team. And mediocrity is what you want to avoid most in the NBA.
1: Yeah, George, I agree. It's between DeMar DeRozan for three years or Kawhi Leonard for one year, you know? Yeah, Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan's going to start to go downhill a little bit in three years. He'll be on the older side of an NBA player, but he's still going to be a good player, even if he's not the elite caliber that he is now. Kawhi Leonard's going to be playing in Los Angeles. So I would take a little bit old DeMar DeRozan over nothing. That's that's my take.
0: I, I honestly don't agree with that. I think that... You either go big or you go home. You don't want to be a 45-43-ish win team, which is what you're looking at if you're looking at the 2020 Raptors with an aging e. Lowry, and DeRozan. You might as well take your hacks now with this core, plus Leonard, and then you can rebuild, build around OG on Pascal Siakam, and that young bench that is one of the best in the NBA. You can slowly build up from that foundation. So why not take one last shot with this? See what happens if it doesn't work out. If Leonard because leaves, you do a complete George, turnout. You're lose to the well, are you sure about that? I think, don't forget, this Raptors team did win 59 games in the regular season. And I think that they O'cares, largely O'cares. lost in the postseason. I think they lost in the postseason because of DeRozan. You have to hide him on defense. He doesn't come up clutch. Lowry was fine last year. He seems to be mostly over his playoff struggles from his younger years. DeRozan never got over them. He was awful in the second round. He was unplayable in Game 3 and Game 4. Now you add Leonard, who was a Finals MVP in 2014, you can go a lot further. I get what you're saying. You're also running under the assumption, I think, that Kawhi Leonard is going to be the old Kawhi Leonard. Well, that is the caveat. That is the one. I haven't gotten into that yet. We're not sure what Kawhi Leonard we're getting or if we're even getting Kawhi Leonard. And
1: even if he is totally healthy and he's back to being the elite player that he can be, he doesn't want to be in Toronto, and the player's motivation is a huge thing. San Antonio traded him because he was unhappy there, and they thought he was a bad presence on the bench, and they thought that he was a bad just personality to have on the team, and that maybe he wouldn't be motivated to give his all. On the court, why should Toronto not have those exact same concerns? Why do they think that Kawhi is going to come to Toronto and be happier than he was in San Antonio? Obviously, there were issues with specific people back in San Antonio that maybe he won't have in Toronto. But when a player wants to be somewhere else and you force them to go to not that place, I'm just very, very
0: questioning how those antics are going to go down. Well, here's my thought what huge free agents have gone and will go to Toronto? Not very many. Chris Bosch left, Vince Carter left, Tracy McGrady left when he was a young player and was turning into something. These guys don't want to go to Toronto. So if you're Toronto, why not take an opportunity to get one of, when he's healthy, the five best players in the league, someone you wouldn't otherwise be able to acquire uh, in, in free agency, because otherwise your only chance is really the draft or making trades like this. So why not get this type of talent that you haven't had in a long time? And a year is a long time. I sort of look at this Raptor situation, and it's an easy comparison to make. Maybe, well, there are large differences, but the Paul George situation last year, no one thought he was staying in OKC when they made that trade. Everyone thought he was out the door to LA, just like Kawhi is. But if you work on him now, you have a year long to kind of woo him to stay with your franchise. And it worked for OKC. Paul George felt at home there. At least now you have yourself a fighting chance. And I think this team— I think
1: Kawhi is more stubborn than Paul George.
0: Well— Kawhi has certain, well, here's the issue with Kawhi. We don't know what Kawhi is. None of this, none of the things we've heard from his camp or anything have come from him. We honestly don't know one thing that he said, either about the Spurs or about the Raptors or anything. It's all these rumblings. Kawhi's not happy here. Kawhi doesn't want to go to this team. Kawhi's not really happy in Toronto. There was a report that there were some face-to-face conversations today and Kawhi felt a little better. I don't know. We don't know what Kawhi likes because he's not willing to go out there and make his own statements for himself. But you had mentioned that the Raptors were clearly worse than the Celtics, and I don't know if I agree with that. I think I'd start to make this point earlier, but you're looking at a team that won 59 games last regular season, and you're upgrading from DeRozan to Kawhi. So I think with that team, you're always going to have a chance to be the best team in Eastern Conference. So if you can make a finals trip, why not? They, okay. I'd say they have yeah. like well, a 30% also an chance an period, right? So they have to integrate Kawhi. They have to figure out Kawhi. They got to figure out how to,
1: you know, play like that. They've been two-headed beast of Lowry and DeRozan for the last few years. It's going to be an adjustment period. And even if they can figure out how to work a system around Kawhi, DeRozan was really, really good. He was an MVP candidate the last couple
0: seasons. No, no, no. That was overblown. No way was he an agree, MVP candidate. Look, I don't think that he should have been in the MVP conversation the last couple of years. I agree.
1: That being said, he was. And to be in the MVP conversation, at least in other people's minds, Even if you're not one of the top five MVP candidates, you don't end up in that discussion for no reason. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I agree. DeRozan's very talented, but Kawhi is just in a whole other world. So anytime, for me, honestly, anytime you have a chance to get a player like that on your team, you have to take it, especially when you're not completely dismantling your team, which the Raptors aren't. They didn't even have to give up their best young players on Anubia or Siakam. They're still on the team. You can still build around those guys. Anytime you have an opportunity to build a finals team, you got to do it. Because even you look at the Warriors, weird shit happens. Something could go wrong. Clay almost hurt his ankle badly in the finals last year. Steph has injuries. Even KD has had his injuries in the past. Maybe it all breaks down. But if you're the Raptors, why be a 45-48 win team well, for the next was three was years sure, when you can make a finals trip? sure they're
1: not going to beat the Warriors. That's, that's not what I was getting
0: at. Oh, no. I'm
1: getting at the, they're not going to beat the Celtics
0: the 76ers. Maybe the 76ers. Probably not. I think the 76ers are a little bit overrated now. They were underrated for so long that then they became a bit overrated. But I think the Raptors people aren't giving the Raptors the credit that I think that they deserve. Because everyone is obviously going to make you know, the Cavaliers' show. Because I'm a Cavs fan. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Lebronto. But they lost to LeBron. And everyone's been losing to LeBron for the past eight years in the Eastern Conference. So now you have a team that's upgraded was the number one seed last year. And the Celtics obviously have guys coming back. Hayward's coming back. But the Raptors did make a huge upgrade now. And I think the Celtics are the best team in that conference. I'm not denying that. A lot of people are expecting Tatum and Browning even better next year. Add in Hayward, a lot can happen. Brutal alliance with the Celtics. But now the Raptors have sort of kept pace. And I think if you look at a Raptors-Celtics series in the Eastern Conference Finals, that's not going to be an easy win. That's a six or seven game series for me. Maybe. If, I think those, those claims have
1: maybe some truth to them. If Kawhi is healthy, if Kawhi is happy. And I don't think that he's going to pull up Paul George and decide he wants to stay in Toronto, barring some crazy season where they do beat the Celtics. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. I know we haven't heard anything directly from Kawhi, but what I'm getting is that he's going to show up in Toronto closed minded I think Paul George always had his eyes on L.A., but I don't think he was mind-closed to the possibility uh, of staying with Oklahoma City. I think Kawhi is closed minded I don't think they're going to get him back. I don't think he's worth a one-year rental.
0: Let's look at this from the Spurs' perspective now. You have Greg Popovich still. Most people expect him to retire after 2020 in that season and they were in, I think, not necessarily win championship now mode because that's pretty much impossible at this point, but compete now mode. They wanted to stay relevant. They didn't want to bottom out with Pop's last couple of years. I don't think Pop wanted any part of that. So now you add DeMar. You've got DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Murray is a good young player, but Western Conference is really, really good. What do you think about this team? Are they a playoff team still?
1: I didn't- much talent as that, and Popovich is going to find a way to get into the playoffs. I think they'll not be much of a threat in the playoffs. As I said earlier, I think it makes sense for the Spurs. They took the best package they could get, given that they're losing Kawhi. I think that they are the best team that they can be for this season. You know, we'll see how they do, but I wouldn't be surprised for them to get the seventh seed and, you know, lose in six or seven games in the first round. Something along those lines.
0: I My question is, Is with this Spurs deal, is whether they wouldn't have been better making a deal for a draft picks package. And obviously, they weren't going to do that with the way Pop is. But I can't help but wonder whether this is going to hurt the franchise in the long term, contending for these seven, eight seeds. Because it's what I say over and over again mediocre is the worst thing in the NBA. You never want to be mediocre. You don't want to be an eight seed, nine, ninth place team in this league because you get, I don't know, you just get kind of locked out. That's true for most teams in the NBA.
1: The Spurs, as you said, because they have Popovich, this wasn't really the time to do that for them. Uh, they're going to you know, ride his coaching as long as they can and give them the best team that they can. Kind of in a similar way, to be honest, to the way that the Cavs played when they knew that they didn't have LeBron for much longer. You try to get the best team possible around him, you're probably not going to be a championship team. Hopefully make it to the finals. The Spurs aren't going to be making it to the finals, but in a similar way to the Cavs, they're trying to get the best team while they still have Popovich, in their case. Maybe after that period's up, they try to do a full rebuild, and also remember that the trade did include at least one future draft pick.
0: Yeah, it's not a great pick, though. It makes sense. It's what I think I expected the Spurs to do more of, but I'm still going to be hung up on whether that was the right choice for the franchise or not, or whether it was the right choice for Pop. And Pop has earned that, I do think. You know, when someone has given so much to a franchise, I do think he has earned this opportunity to compete for a couple of years, make the playoffs, at least have an enjoyable team. And I have learned never to doubt the Spurs, never to doubt Pop. Somehow, some way, they'll get into the playoffs. Last year, I don't know how they got into the playoffs. They were playing old Gasol, I don't know, young dudes who really weren't ready yet, like Forbes or whatever. It was miracle. I mean, they turned Anderson slow-mo. Into a huge, or not a huge, but into a guy who got a sizable contract. So the Spurs will always find these dudes who are able to somehow put together productive seasons. They'll always find a way. I would definitely rather, I would rather be the Raptors than the Spurs right now. I'll tell you that much. What I will say is, at least with this Kawhi trade, the Eastern Conference is competitive now, which is something (laughs) I didn't think it would be. I thought it would be the Celtics would play the Sixers in the finals and we would know it the whole season long. But the Celtics would be a clearly superior team. So we'd be stuck on those situations where we know, just like the Western Conference, that the Celtics would, would win the conference in the end no matter what. Now at least, now I can see some competition here because Kawhi is such a game-changing force. But it's what we keep saying. What kind of Kawhi are we getting? Are you concerned about That's his injuries? Question, yeah. Are you concerned about that quad?
1: This is the question that everyone in the NBA is asking. And I think everyone can give their guess, but all those guesses are meaningless. Nobody really knows. I think Kawhi Leonard is the only person who really knows. Maybe some people on his team, I'm doing air quotes, you guys can't see that, but I'm doing air quotes, you know, have some idea of what's going on with his quad.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be a little concerned about it in the end. I think it's a recurring issue. It was just very unclear the severity of it the entire time. He, we, there was video of him sort of limping his way up to a plane. There was not much word from his camp or anything, just mysterious trips to New York and doctors and stuff like that. Kawhi, I think, is the biggest question mark in the NBA, right up there with Markel Fultz's jump shot. Is he still the same player? What do we have with him? I just hope he comes back healthy because a healthy Kawhi is a really fun player to watch. One of the best defensive players of all time. And he can single-handedly make this Eastern Conference competitive. One last question on this Kawhi business is, are you still a fan of him or has his, and his, I guess really his camps statements and actions turned against him? Cause he's getting booed in San Antonio. That's what fans are saying. You know, he, even after what he did for the franchise in the middle part of this decade, the way that he shut people off, tarnished the organization, asked his way out of town, has really turned people against him. So would you consider yourself to be a Kawhi fan still? No. No? Not at all. When I said earlier that I didn't trust
1: he could go to Toronto and play with full energy, play the same level of basketball and be a good bench presence, uh, that's exactly because I'm not a Kawhi fan anymore. I've lost faith in you know his personality on the basketball court. Nobody knows what the deal is with what happened between him and the Spurs. Nobody really understands it. It's hard to pick sides. We don't know. So I'm not taking sides on on the issues between Kawhi and the Spurs. I'm not sure who's in the right. I'm not sure who's in the wrong. It's complicated. Nobody really knows. What I do know is that Kawhi didn't handle it well. So even if he was right, he didn't handle it well. As you were saying, totally going off the grid, not responding to anybody, uh, being really unclear his team releasing these random statements. So that's what I'll say.
0: I'm a fan of NBA players having the freedom to choose and to dictate the direction of their careers, given more and more control over the course of their own careers, which I think is great. But I think there is something to be said for handling yourself like a professional. And for Kawhi... And Kawhi did not do that. Kawhi didn't do that. For Kawhi to act in the way he did to hide things, not face the music, speak his own mind. It's a little bit, it's disappointing to be sure, especially with the reputation. And we've talked about this before. His reputation, I think, was largely based off of Tim Duncan. Here's the next really kind, really gentle, not rock the boat Spurs guy who doesn't say much, just goes out there and mechanically does his own business and wins championships. But that's not Kawhi. And I think no one, least of all us, we don't Know who Kawhi is. And we had, and we never had an idea, even though we thought we did. So I'm very interested in this next year for Kawhi. I think this is a career altering type of year for him. Can he put his full mind and energy into Toronto? If he leads this team to the finals, all of a sudden we have a vastly different conversation in a year than if he goes there, pouts, hurts the team chemistry, leads them to maybe 45, 48 wins or whatever and a third or fourth season. Or if he's injured, or if he doesn't report, which was a little bit of a whisper. People saying, Oh, he might not report. Yeah, it's just it's a mind boggling it's a mind-boggling situation. Something that you never could have predicted three or four years ago. And if you remember in twenty sixteen-2017 that season, Kawhi was the great hope against the Warriors. He and the Spurs were up on them big in game one and Zaza Pachulia with the injury or it injures Kawhi, and that's, ever since then, things have never been the same. So who knows what could have happened.
1: George, we've been on on Kawhi for a little bit, and just before we move on, I know it's been a while, but I do want to ask you about the comments DeMar DeRozan made via Twitter, uh, expressing clear displeasure, frustration with the Raptors organization, saying that they promised him he wouldn't be traded, kind of feeling like he gave that franchise a lot, and then they just kind of went off and lied to him. A, do you empathize with him? And B, was it appropriate uh, in making those comments?
0: Well, I definitely emphasize with him. I think it's a brutal reminder that the NBA is a business. And it's what Isaiah Thomas, that story with the Celtics said, And he had his own Twitter comments to make where he said, learn from my story. I think it's another reminder. We love to talk about loyalty in sports. But I think as time goes on and people have more control over their careers, especially players, we're seeing less and less loyalty. You know, teams aren't acting loyal to players, so players in return aren't acting loyal to teams. But for DeMar DeRozan, he was there with the Raptors. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be the franchise player. That's why he said. He wanted to be the greatest Raptor of all time. And he really was that team. When I think of the Raptors, I think of those DeRozan and Lowry teams. So it's a sad story. But from the Raptors' perspective, it makes sense. It's a move you have to make even if you yes, didn't want to make yes, it yes, now, but you don't, yes, you I'm don't, game, but, you don't tell him that you're not but with all that being said, lying to him, isn't a great move. And the Raptors already don't get many free agents. If they did lie to him. And again, DeMar is very angry. I don't know exactly who said what, maybe the Raptors would deny it if they were asked their side of the story, but they haven't denied it yet. If DeRozan was lied to, And that's a really bad move from them. You have to be honest and upfront with your players, especially if they're hours from being moved. And I think that there could be an effect here with players saying, I don't want to play for the Raptors. Look what they did for DeMar. So it is worth watching whether how they acted during this move will hurt their team in the future over the next five, even 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a bad move from them. You can't lie to the franchise player like that. I totally am on DeMar's side on that. If he was lied to... And again, we can't say for sure that he was lied to, maybe there was a miscommunication or something, but if he was lied to, awful move from the Raptors, really not a good look for them. And I think that's how you like say. It, it ends on bad terms. All good things come to an end, maybe
1: DeRozan gets traded, and then he has a good relationship with the Raptors, the Raptors are thankful for his service, he's thankful for his time there, they both say thank you, they both move on, everybody's happy. And that's kind of how you want these things to go, when a player is on a team and gives them so much for so long. uh, You want to see it end on good terms, and it's
0: just too bad. And if you look at another team, how they handle business with their franchise player, and it's a contract that was made fun of a lot at the time, Lakers giving Kobe Bryant $48 million after the injury when he was a shell of his former self and a really net negative, but it's being said now that it showed the players that the Lakers will treat their franchise players really well, and they'll handle their business in a professional and gracious manner. And that's a good look for the LeBron James types, even a Kawhi Leonard type, maybe next year, that they know that they'll be treated in a fair and kind, fair and kind way and that they're in good hands there. So yeah, it's a bad look for the Raptors. Now, there was another big trade that happened this week and it was rumored all throughout the MLB All-Star break. Even during the game, they were, they kept going back to it. Manny Machado finally went through. Machado is off the absolutely dreadful Baltimore Orioles finally, off to the LA Dodgers, which is a place I had been talking about for a while that made sense for him. The Dodgers, Corey Seager out for the season. Machado isn't a good defensive shortstop at all by any means, but you know, he does want to play shortstop. At least he could be happy with that. Maybe he'll play some third base, but he can fit in at shortstop there now. And I really like Machado on the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are a team that is coming to an end of this championship window, championship core. Kershaw's having more and more injury issues, starting rotations banged up. They're kind of piecing together this season now with offensive guys, Max Muncy, a pitcher like Ross Stripling. I'm not sure where they found these guys. Matt Kemp's back. So it's a team that's sort of lingering at the end of their championship window. Got to go all in, time to go all in. Machado brings a huge boost to that lineup, makes them a real threat again in my eyes. What about you?
1: Have a history of bringing guys in around this time of year. They have the last few seasons. Obviously, we all remember uh, last year with Darvish. Look, I still don't think that the Dodgers are gonna win the World Series. I don't think they're the best team in the league. That being said, you got to give yourself the best chance this year because who knows what you're gonna get out of some of these guys in the future, especially Kershaw. You don't know if Kemp can repeat what he's doing this year. So I like it. It's not too surprising a great pickup for the Dodgers. And the other thing I'll mention is that they didn't have to give up too, too much for him because it's a three month rental. The price for Machado wasn't that high. So I don't think they gave up any of their top three prospects. I want to say gave up a few, a few guys who obviously have potential, but are not elite projected to be superstars or anything. So I think it makes sense for both teams.
0: So my question for you is, Exactly how far, if you had to make a call, how far would you see these Dodgers advancing in the playoffs? For me, I could see them being an NLCS team. Again, I think that they're better than the Diamondbacks still. Those NL East teams, the Phillies, the Braves, they're new, but I don't think they're quite ready for deep playoff runs. So for me, I think it comes down to the Dodgers and Cubs again in the NLCS. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it comes down to the Dodgers and Cubs. I wouldn't even be that shocked if the Dodgers beat the Cubs, to be honest. I think that the three or four best teams in the majors are all in the American League. Yankees, Red Sox,
0: Astros, and Indians might all be favorites over the Dodgers or the Cubs. But here's what I'll no, say. No, not the Indians. Not the Indians. Which, is, uh, the Indians. which more
1: true in baseball than basketball, which is that playoffs are a crapshoot. In basketball, if you're the fifth best team in the league and the first best team is the Warriors there's not a chance that you beat them in a best of seven series. Baseball's not quite like that. So say the, say the Dodgers just made themselves the fourth best team in the league. The fourth best team in the league can win the world series. All they need is to, you know, beat the teams that they're better than, and then have two really good series once against one against the Cubs. and one against whoever wins in the AL. And I think that the team coming out of the AL is going to be stronger than the Dodgers. I think that they'll probably beat the Dodgers if the Dodgers didn't make it to the world series. That being said, Anything can happen. And the Dodgers have put themselves in a position where if they get hot at the right time, it's not unbelievable that they could be bringing home another championship.
0: And this is still a team that did make it to Game 7 of the World Series last year. So even though it's a worse version of that team, it's players that have gone far in the playoffs before. They know what it takes. They might have a mental edge over some of those teams. I just mentioned, you know, like the Braves or the Phillies, where maybe the moment's a little big. So you have more motivation, you have experience, you can handle the big moment. So I think we can all agree it's a move that they had to make. I take it, you know, it's a situation where you might as well go all, go all in because without it, you're going to fumble out of, out of the playoffs early this year. And now you have a legitimate chance because he really strengthens the middle of that lineup, especially if some of the guys that they've been relying on tail off in the second half, which I still expect to happen. I've been proven wrong by LA guys before, but I honestly can't picture Max Muncy keeping up what he's doing and being one of the best players in the playoffs. I just don't see that happening. So now you add Machado, a bona fide star, energize that team a little bit more because they looked a little, I don't know, quiet, not super energetic throughout the first half of the season, going through the motions a little bit. Now all of a sudden you get back from the All star break, you're thinking, all right, we got Machado, let's go, let's make a run at this. It sort of gives right. a little boost, and I think even the Astros had a little boost last year. Where all of a sudden, they thought, "Yeah, we have Justin Verlander now. Let's roll. Let's do this." So now you have that, and honestly, just a good trade for the Dodgers. I think we can both say that. George, I just got breaking news on my phone. Breaking news.
1: Uh, Anthony dealt to Atlanta.
0: I'm gonna look that up right now. Wow, breaking news!
1: In the middle of a podcast, how about that? Carmelo Anthony traded to Atlanta Hawks for Dennis Schroeder, Mike Muscala.
0: Wow, so wow. That might be the first time. Have we ever had breaking news like that on a podcast before?
1: No, this is great. Mid podcast.
0: Wow, all right. We got an energy boost just like Machado. Wow, I can't believe that happened. Okay. Initial thoughts. Melo will be waived by the Hawks. There's no way that he's on this team. He'll be on the Rockets, I think. Maybe the Lakers are a very low chance second team, but OKC okay, uh, so had to get they, rid of Anthony. They, they did the report.
1: This line to you. Yes. The
0: Hawks are expected to release Anthony,
1: which will make him an unrestricted free agent if he clears waivers. The Rockets are the front runners to land Anthony.
0: Yeah, so exactly what I'm saying. That had to be the move. Now, OKC, interesting from their side. So they had to give up a protected 2022 first round pick, which isn't ideal. Schroeder's interesting too, because he's in some legal issues. So who knows where that goes? I'm not entirely sure that. Yeah, he would be a backup point guard, and that's a big... He's too good to be a backup point guard. Well, I mean, he's very good, but no one really wanted him. I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. Wow. <laughs> it's hilarious that that broke right now. So he's a guy, he's good, I guess. For me, his numbers are very inflated just because of his situation. He averaged 19.4 points per game last year, 6.2 assists, so he's clearly good. Um George, let me
1: ask you this. The, the second piece of this trade... presumed to be anthony to the rockets how soon if if that is what's going to happen how soon will that happen it seems like it could be fairly immediate right
0: yeah i think that happens real quick like once he clears waivers he's going straight to straight to the rockets and yeah so, so stay tuned for sure so with anthony actually so we can talk about this now first i'll say that i looked it up schroeder could face a felony charge after his september arrest that's a situation that Bear is watching. If he is on OKC and playing, then it's a piece for them. But I can't help but wonder, again, if he'll have the right attitude. He's a guy who's had sort of attitude issues before and another guy who thinks he deserves a larger role than, than maybe he's entitled to. But they had to get rid of Anthony. They just had to. Anthony's got
1: to be a little happier than than Schroeder probably with this trade.
0: If Anthony winds up on the Rockets, that's an interesting situation. Because they lost Ariza the Reza because the Suns were just, hey, let's pay Ariza a lot of money. And Ariza said, hey, I want a lot of money. I'll sign a contract for a lot of money for this year. So they don't have Ariza anymore. You replace them with Anthony. So now you've got Harding, Chris Paul, Anthony, presumably Clint Capella. He'll wind his way back there as a restricted free agent. I think they're, they're clearly worse than last year. It all depends on Anthony. Once again, a contending team. Can Carmelo Anthony contribute still? He's been called the worst defensive player in the league. He, sh- he can't stop shooting six for 19 from the field. He misses clutch shot after clutch shot. He stops the ball. Can he adjust to a complementary role? Can he stop being a ball stopper? Can he be a positive influence? At the very least, at least Chris Paul and him are tight. So maybe he'll feel more of an obligation to to be a team player for his friend on this team, and maybe he can be a more positive influence. What do you think of that?
1: I don't know. One would hope. You don't want to see a guy like Anthony go down, kind of fighting to to be the star that he used to be. So far, he's failed to do that, which I think is too bad. But to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure why playing for the Rockets is going to be any different. Russell Westbrook and James Harden are obviously very different players, but similar in the fact that they're both volume shooters. They're both going to be shooting 20 shots a game or even more. And then, obviously, Paul George and Chris Paul are also both going both gonna to demand the ball. So I'm not sure why playing for the Rockets is going to be so different.
0: And another piece that's interesting, too, is Mike D'Antoni is the coach of the Rockets. And he and Anthony had some issues all the way in New York a long time ago. And reports, I did read reports that were saying that both sides are over it ready to continue with a working relationship. But I can't help but wonder it's a situation that's not entirely fresh just because of the head coach and whether some of those issues from the past linger again. Anthony, a lot of people say, you know, he was a big part of sort of pushing D'Antoni, pushing Lynn out at New York. So wild interruption in the podcast. I, it was news that I was expecting. I was expecting Anthony to be either bought out or waived or traded his way out of OKC somehow. But Maybe not in this exact way. And it had been rumored for a little bit to the Hawks. So, hilarious that that happened. It will be interesting to see Anthony in Houston Schroeder and OKC. Honestly, losing Anthony is an addition because he actively hurt them a lot last year. So, yep. we'll see whether yep. they can make their way up to a third seed type of team. I definitely think it's possible. Yep. Yeah, because you've got Warriors and Rockets are a clear step above everyone else. But now you've got a bunch of teams, OKC, maybe even like a Utah a Denver's coming up big. The Lakers, obviously, with LeBron. There's a bunch of fresh, newish yeah, I look, teams. i for OKC to be in a similar
1: spot to the Lakers, kind of both of them sitting below the Rockets and Warriors in a 3-4 kind of spot.
0: Yeah, so after that brief NBA interlude, which we never expected to happen, get back to MLB to sort of wrap this up a little bit. So All-Star breaks over. We're looking to the second half now. Some of the races are really, really exciting in Major League Base right now. AL Central's done. Indians all the way. AL West winner most likely Houston, but that is an absolutely stacked division. Unreal, those teams. So let's just kind of work our way division by division. AL East winner. I'm going Red Sox. I think some of the Yankees' holes are starting to be exposed. Rotation, they need pitching help. The bullpen's great. Most of the lineup's great. Hopefully, Gary Sanchez, when he comes back, he can regain his prior form. But I think the Red Sox are just a bit stronger than the Yankees this year. Yankees are clearly a great team, but the third best team in the league behind the Red Sox and the Astros. I'm also going to agree that the Red Sox
1: win the East. Very unlikely uh, that both teams don't make additions, especially the Yankees. I really do think that they're going to add a starting pitcher or figure something out uh, as a way to improve so obviously who they get if they get someone could change my answer the Yankees are down by four and a half games starting the second half that's not insignificant with both teams winning as much as they are four and a half games is honestly a lot of ground even though it's not that close to the end of the season uh that's a lot to make up i think that the Yankees uh, going to be as good as the Red Sox in the second half. I'm not sure that they're going to be four and a half games better than the Red Sox in the second half. And mind you, the second half is a little shorter than the first half. And for that reason, I think the Red Sox are going to be able to ride out this lead that they've gained coming into the All-Star break. The one other thing that I would say is that the Yankees and the Red Sox have, but we finished out the season playing each other the last three games. Yeah, And so... If the standings have them within three games coming into that series, anything can happen. There's a lot of uh, stuff that can go on with trades. That one series at the very end of the year could change things. But as of now, yeah, I think the Red Sox hold on.
0: AL West is another division that is absolutely loaded. Astros, I think, are the clear winner here. They're the best team, I believe. I've been saying this for a while now. I think they're the best team in the majors once again. Even though the Red Sox record is ridiculous. The Red Sox, they're so good at beating bad teams. Every time you watch them play a bad team, they dominate. It's so impressive. They're on pace for like 112 fucking wins, which is absurd. One of the races I'm curious to watch is the Mariners and the A's for that second wild card. The Mariners got off to a big start, but there were questions whether they were lucky, one run game luck, started to falter a little bit by the all-spring, and the A's just went on a wild ride. And I'm still not sure exactly how they're doing this. If you look at their players, it's honestly not a stacked bunch to say the least. Jed Lowry's their big star, Sean Maniah, Matt Olson, Chapman. I don't know how they're doing this, but the A's always find a way to do this. I am curious whether this is one of those years again where the A's contend a little earlier than you expected. They did this earlier in the decade too, and then they had a couple great teams. This in the 2000s, obviously, where all of a sudden it's like, Here come the A's out of nowhere. Their front office found a new way to get an advantage and inefficiency in the market. And now with seemingly nobody players, they're making a run. So I'm still going to say the Mariners for now because I think the Mariners are more talented. But I would not count out the A's by any means. I'm saying 55% Mariners, 45% A's, which is a bit of a cop-out. But I think it is that close. Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll respond to a couple things you said. One about Houston being the best team uh in baseball I probably agree with you uh they're pitching so good, their lineup so good. How can you not choose them? I do think they need to add a reliever. Look for that to happen real soon. I think they will add a reliever and we all know how important having a strong bullpen is come the playoffs when when bullpens really uh are even more essential than during the regular season. In terms of the wild card, obviously or, I don't want to say obviously, but it seems Extremely unlikely that the Yankees or Red Sox, uh, the one losing the AL East, doesn't get that first wild card position. I don't see any of the other teams. I'm looking at the standings right now for for the wild card. Uh, after Seattle
0: and Oakland, the teams that follow are Tampa Bay, the Angels. Yeah, the no, Semina. it's Those it's counter. It. So no, nope. I think it really is a, a two horse race between Seattle and Oakland. And
1: I don't, I don't really want to make a call there because I, I don't know well enough to make a good prediction. But yeah, one of those two.
0: So now moving over to the National League, NL East. Most of us, I think, enter this season thinking Nationals again. The Nationals are the most talented team. They're stacked. But the Nationals have really struggled this year. Really bad year for Bryce Harper in his contract year. Really questionable. Keeps grounding into the shift, uh, it seems, over and over again. Hasn't adjusted. And might be putting a little too much pressure on himself. But the Nationals have really fumbled. They're a 500-team. Braves and Phillies have both surged. Really fun teams. I'm going to say actually Braves, just by a hair. I think there's more talent overall on the Braves. And I love my dude Nick Marcakis finally making his first all-star game. That's really fun, great story. Your, you, you guys don't know this, but George does not shut up about Nick Markakis. He's like, I don't him, shut up Nick about Mark Nick Marcakis. is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's not, not what I'm saying. My favorite story is Nick Marchakis has an outside shot at 3,000 hits. And what will Hall of Fame voters do then? Because 3,000 hits is a magic number, just like 500 home runs. If you hit that bench where make the Hall of Fame. But if Nick Marchakis ends his career with one all-star game in 18 seasons and was slightly above average for most, then what do you do then? So I just love Nick Marchakis. But I will say, with that being said, I think the Braves are a more overall talented team. I like them to take that at least. So gun to your head, are you going Braves- Phillies are—do you have the Nationals making a wild comeback?
1: No, I have a hot take. I'm taking the
0: Mets, dude. Oh, my God. Fuck out of here. (laughs)
1: I'm joking. No, I I take the Nationals. Harper's going to turn it around. There's no way a player of his caliber doesn't turn it around. Uh, I was also watching some footage during the All-Star break of him uh, working with hitting coach Kevin Long. That uh, is a hot take. We're correcting some stuff with his swing. I think he'll turn it around and be the MVP caliber player. Uh, that he is for the second half, that'll obviously help boost them. I think their team is just a very talented team. As you said earlier, we always go into the season thinking that they're going to run away with it, and they don't always. But yes, Atlanta has a lot of good young talent. Uh, Washington has more talent. I think that's going to show in the second half.
0: So the Nationals are five and a half back of the Phillies right now. Braves are a half game back. So they're going to need a big second half. If they come back all the way, then I'll give you a lot of credit for that one. Because I just don't see it happening, I think. They're sort of a team that missed their championship, that their championship window has closed, things are a little bit stale, and it's time for that team to break up. But you never know, there's so much talent still on that team that they could always pull themselves together. So now, NL Central, Cubs and Brewers are the real teams here, and the Brewers got off to a fast start, but it's what I always say with the Brewers. I'm always waiting for them to collapse, and they started their collapse early. Coming into the All-Star break, lost five to the Pirates on a six-game losing streak. Cubs didn't even have a great first half. There were a lot of ups and downs. Hugh Darvish was a disaster. Anthony Rizzo, awful year for him. Chris Bryant was injured for, you know, he had his injuries throughout the first half. But this team is two and a half games up on the Brewers. I think it's Cubs easy. Uh, And I'm a Cubs fan of Lowell Conkey. Because they're only going to get better, right? The only place they're going to go is up
1: given that they're already in first. If they get better, they're easily going to hold on. So I don't think that it's even going to be that close.
0: Yeah, so we're going rapid fire now, because I know that I have to let you go soon. But the Cubs, I think both of us agree on that. NL West, Machado to the Dodgers. They're a half game up on the Diamondbacks. I like that Dodgers team. Rockies and Giants are sort of hovering in the back, but I still like the Dodgers now, especially with that Machado addition. Yep, yep. So obviously I'm going to pick the Dodgers
1: too. Uh, and then I guess the last question George before we wrap this up is wild card um, in the National League right now Milwaukee and Atlanta are taking the two spots but Arizona's only half a game behind Atlanta and Colorado is also sitting two games back of that second wild card spot who do you pick
0: Yeah I think the Braves win the NL East like I said so I'm going Phillies one and I'm going I'm so torn between Milwaukee and Arizona I'm going to go Milwaukee just because I really like that lineup. Kane, Yelich, Aguilar. But who's to say? They're they're really struggling. It's a toss-up for me between Milwaukee and Arizona. I can't decide. You could go either way and I'd be fine with it. What about you? Tough to say. I think I'm going to take... I would probably take Arizona or maybe even Colorado over Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah, I think the Brewers just never, They haven't done well in the second half for a while now. Coming down the stretch is a real issue for them. They had a big lead on the Cubs, three and a half games or whatever, for a long while. And even late to the year when they totally collapsed and the Cubs just ran past them. So, so last question: World Series pick for you. I'm going Astros over Cubs. That's my that's been my pick for a long while now. I think the Cubs are the best team in the National League, but a, hair, but a tier below the Astros, Red Sox, and Yankees. And I think the Astros are the best team. So Astros over Cubs. I'm gonna. Red
1: Sox versus Dodgers. Red Sox
0: win in six. Ooh, I, you gave a game total, too. I'll say I'll say Astros in six, too. Because Astros in five, a five-game series is just a domination. So I don't know if I could ever go like a five-game series. But I think the Astros are significantly a better team than the Cubs. So I'll go Astros in six. So really appreciate you uh, coming in. This will be yeah, a lot of fun. Talking. See you, George. Bye. Okay, so that will wrap it up for us. You heard our World Series picks here. I'm going Astros-Cubs. Alex went Red Sox-Dodgers. So we'll see what happens with that. Really excited to be here as part of the Underdog Sports Network. Thank you for listening. Feel free to subscribe, download, lead a review. We'll be posting episodes every Saturday, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So thank you.